So, you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get a little more sleep. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that at home, in your warm, comfortable bed, than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later, right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. You'll still miss out on some things we think are pretty important, like intergenerational community and the support and encouragement that that brings, and the cute children at children's time who are giving random answers, and you won't be able to have coffee hour, you know, cookies and coffee and fellowship. So this week we had our, uh, our organist mm-hmm. broke his arm. Oh, yes. And he broke his elbow, actually. He could still play the piano, but he played a song that was just for the right hand. And <laughs> of course it, it it's exists. called Something Something for the Right Hand. And it was wonderful. Oh. It was beautiful. It was this beautiful piece of music, and it was kind of haunting, and it was kind of delicate, and you didn't realize that he wasn't playing, playing with, with both hands, hands until you looked at the sign. So, so inspiring music that you might not get anywhere else. But we'll give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada, the biggest little city in the world. We're not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of a new age. We're your average pastors, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast, so if you're away from home or working, or maybe you're out uh, looking at just how high the Truckee River is today. Pretty high. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or maybe just sleeping in. You can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon one of us gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, we just hope that you will keep an open heart and an open mind. And a quick note, we don't really care if you agree with everything we say or not. In fact, we encourage you to question, to to think for yourself, to disagree, to figure out what you're living into. But our sincere hope is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So Susan. So Chris. We haven't recorded in a while because I am behind anyway. Yes, Yes. And so the sermon that I'm about to share was the sermon from June 25th which was the day we got home from annual conference. Yes. Now, annual conference is the week long. Well, it's four days for most people. Yeah. It's a little longer for those of us who have to get over early and do some business. Um, conference, it goes all day, every day. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's We had a little bit more breathing room this time. I felt like we did. They gave us two hour lunches, which is quite nice. It is you nice. Know, it's enough time to actually get food and come back. So, so we've been away at conference, and so my sermon was really kind of a report on conference, but mm-hmm. in the context of who we are as church. Yep. So I didn't really get into what was the legislation we talked about, or who was elected to do what, or who received a bishop's award. It was just kind of like, here's, here's the overview of what we did. Yeah. And here's why it matters to who we are as church. Yeah. So uh, we talked about Romans 5, the first eight verses of Romans okay. 5, mm-hmm. which is Paul talking to people about, I think, what it means to be church. Mm, Yeah, I think that's what he's trying to get at. Yeah, and he says, um, you know, that that throughout all of our work, some people perhaps have been saying that you have to be good to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. And he's reminding people that, like, no. (laughs) No. God, God loved us before we were good. And if you think you're good now, you're probably mistaken, right? That... There's some humility we need to carry right. along with us. Well, in those we over the the research shows that we overestimate the things we want to be good at. 
Well, that sounds true. That's certainly true. Of we do like a cross cultural sensitivity survey with people, and it, there's uh, the survey measures not only how cross culturally sensitive you are, but mm-hmm. also how cross culturally sensitive you think you are. Yeah, yeah. And without exception, everybody thinks that they're more cross culturally sensitive than they actually are. Yeah. Well, I just I was I'm just listening to this new podcast with Paula pa- pa- Paula Poundstone. Oh, I love her. She's doing her own podcast. Is it now. the the Poundstone Institute? Yes. Yes. It is. And um, the first one is about how they've done the research and we all think we're more beautiful than we actually are. Oh, yeah. And then they, they, the, the guy who did the research, they were talking to him and they get, and he extrapolated that out to our driving and our and, yeah. and, and all these other things that we want to be good at. And so we overestimate how good we are. We think them. we're good drivers. We think we're yeah. it was good really at funny. drawing or whatever. Right, like, right. Yeah. But it was really funny to sort of be like, yeah, and that's, I think I think that's you know. So that applies to our spirituality. That's why well. we're all hypocrites, right, you know. Exactly. We don't want to be hypocrites, and we're all working on it. But we are. But we are. Uh, right? we're, we're just working on it together. The oh my gosh, the best episode of Kimmy Schmidt, mm-hmm. the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, is season three. Kimmy goes to church, right, right, and she tries to call out everybody in this church for being a hypocrite and they all start agreeing with her. And she's shocked by that (laughs) because she thought church was full of good people. And what she realizes is church is full of normal people Mm -hmm. who are just trying to figure it out, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, And I would love to just show that episode of Kimmy Schmidt for a sermon one day. There are some elements that make it inappropriate. (laughs) Dang it. That and the fact that it would be hard to see on the little screen your church lets you have in church. Yeah. So Paul, according to Kimmy Schmidt here is uh, he sort of talks about like God, loves us and mm-hmm. Jesus loves us. And when he even went as far as to die for us before we were good at this. Yes. Right. That our uh, worthiness does not determine God's goodness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he says, you know, that we're all trying to figure this out and we should be humble about that and recognize that um, our suffering, our, mm-hmm. our, our striving mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. produces endurance Yep, and endurance produces character Yep, and character produces hope and hope doesn't disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. So, in other words, that we don't boast about the things that we're good at. Mm-hmm. We pay attention to the things that we're not good okay. at because in working on those things, we develop character rather than hypocrisy. Right. So this is the framework for talking about the United Methodist Church, Church in California, Nevada, Nevada, which is not perfect. Really? It's not perfect, but we have done so much work. We have. Like, we really have. From when I was a kid until now, the conversations that we have with one another are so much more loving. Oh my gosh. Are so much more compassionate. Yeah. Um, are so much more justice oriented. Yeah. Uh, and and I love that. I can see yeah. growth in my church. Which is amazing. So I'm, I'm a little older than you, and I have these vivid memories of... Um, perfecting legislation on the floor of annual conference. Oh, geez. Which means, if you don't understand what I mean by perfecting, it's, it means... Robert's rules. Robert's rules. To negotiate perfect. grammar. Yes. <laughs> Most of the time. So if you can imagine... A um, thousand people. A thousand people doing this. It's not fun. And it was funny, because this annual conference, I was really reminded that we don't do that anymore, because there was just a little bit of that. There's just a little bit, and you're like, oh, God, do you remember when that was everything? <laughs> yeah. Remember when we did this with every piece of legislation? Do you remember when we had to explain the addition to the friendly amendment to the, yeah. to oh. the all the, oh, oh and yes. the layers and layers, and most people not paying attention, and mm. then having to explain it to them again. again. So it, it is, it is, was remarkable to sort of sit back and go, yeah, we've 
look how far we've come. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so I really, I really appreciated annual conference this year. Um, we have a new Bishop. Her name is uh, Minerva Carcano. We call her the notorious BMC, which stands for Bishop Minerva Carcano. I don't know if she knows that we call her that, but that's what we call her. And, uh, and the notorious BMC is uh, decidedly more hands-on mm-hmm. than our former bishops have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I loved all of our former bishops as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Just no, a different no style. No hatred, no judgment. Um, just, just a very different style and very um, efficient in mm-hmm. the meeting setting. And so I really appreciated that things were kind of organized a little bit differently. Not to say that the way they were organized before was bad, but it's just more to my style. (laughs) Um, And so that was kind of nice. I felt like we handled a lot of business quickly. Efficiently. Efficiently, which was good. Um, I felt like things were organized in such a way that like groups of things that were like were together. That was handy. Instead of having sort of things spread out and having to change gears, um, change gears a bunch of times in one session. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. I felt like there was a lot less shuffling on the stage. A lot less shuffling on the stage. I went in with incredibly low expectations. <laughs> yeah, well, that happens. I'm going to be honest. I went in with incredibly low expectations. But then uh, I, you know, I really enjoyed myself mm-hmm. actually at annual conference this year and didn't wasn't looking for an exit to go get Starbucks all the time, uh, which is nice. Yeah, it was less it was less draining. Uh, so it was worth it was worth the time and. It was worth uh, the the theme. Mm-hmm. The theme this year was uh, testify to love. Your story matters. And of course, they sang the testify. Avalon song mm-hmm. a bunch of times. And it got stuck in my head in Lori McHugh's voice. Thank you, Lori. Yep. <laughs> I know Lori listens every once in a while. And it's nice to have Lori's head in my, uh, voice in my head every once in a while. So yeah, so, so the theme was, what is your story, basically? Because your story mm-hmm. matters. Matters. Your story matters. And your story has something to teach somebody else. So uh, a man stood up. His name uh, was Jim, and he works with Africa University. And he told a couple of stories that really resonated with me. Mm. And one of the things that he told me was uh, a quote from Bishop Leontine Kelly, who was the first African-American bishop in the United Methodist Church. She was elected bishop in 1984. And uh, and she said, Jim, whatever changes you will change someone else, but you have to tell your story. Mm-hmm. And I think some of us feel uncomfortable telling our story because it feels like we're trying to convert people or change their minds about something. Yeah. But the truth is, if something has truly and deeply affected you, why wouldn't you tell the story? Why wouldn't you say, this is my story? People can draw their own conclusions from that. You don't have to make it about them. You can just tell them your story and express how God has worked in your life. And that that is powerful because that doesn't always look like, and we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. it doesn't always look like some big mountaintop experience. Right. Telling your story sometimes means like, man, it took me a really long time to get to where I am now. And it's it took a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So I talked about a couple of things. I talked about one of the decisions that we made. Uh, we are the only conference, to my knowledge, to decide to elect a new delegation to the special general conference that's been called for 2019. Mm-hmm. So Methodist Church, we have a global conference every four years. Uh, our global conference is called General Conference. It moves around. And our general conference is made up of delegates from all around the world uh, based on population and membership. Mm-hmm. And it is the voice that speaks for the United Methodist Church. Bishops do not speak for the United Methodist Church. Individual pastors do not speak for the United United Methodist Methodist Church. Church. The only 
body that can speak for the United Methodist Church is the General Conference, which yep. only meets every four years. This is to the frustration of many of our friends in the media who call us and say, what does the United Methodist Church have to say about this? Because if we haven't already had some conversation about it at General Conference, our answer is you got to wait three years and find out, you know? <laughs> yeah, if it's not already in the Book of Resolutions, we can't say that we the can't, whole We Methodist can't Church. speak on behalf of the United Methodist Church. We can speak, we can speak on, speak, on behalf of ourselves. We can speak on behalf of ourselves and annual conferences, which are smaller regions, can speak on behalf of the annual conference. But we can't speak on behalf of the entire United Methodist Church. And so in the entire United Methodist Church, our conference, our smaller geographical region, is the only one to decide to elect a new delegation for this larger general mm-hmm. conference. And it's a special general conference. It's not every four years. This is three years after the last one to discuss specifically uh, our United Methodist challenges and opportunities around human sexuality. Yep. Um, we have some pretty deep division over this issue. And uh, most uh, conference delegations continue to work mm-hmm. throughout those four years. So they go to the dele- they go to the general conference, but then they continue to work and build. Well, and they're often all on general boards and agencies. And- yeah, and they build relationships, and they they're continuing to do the work. Um, and so it's it it might be that we end up electing the same delegation again because they've been doing the work. Yeah. Or it might be that we elect a new delegation because one of the conversations that we want to make sure we're having is is it fair to talk about human sexuality without any LGBTQ people in the room. Right. Who have voice. Who have voice. And so, and who have a vote. Mm-hmm. And so to let people tell their own stories instead of allies um, having to bear the burden of telling all the stories. Yeah. Uh, to let people use their own voices. And so we decided, well, we're open to that. Right. We're not sure that, that we'll end up, we won't end up electing the same people, but we're open to that. Yeah. Because we think it's important for people to be able to tell their own story. And one of the stories that was the most powerful story for me was Brian Adkins. Yeah. Brian. Oh, my gosh. gosh. I love that man. I love that man so much. Right. Um, Brian Adkins is one of the, the openly gay uh, ordained clergy in our conference. Mm-hmm. He serves uh, Open Door UMC in Richmond, which is kind of an innovative church that they sold off their building. And they, they're kind of a house church. So they meet in homes and they do work, but they don't have all the overhead that comes mm-hmm. with maintaining an old property. So all of the money that comes in goes to doing the work of ministry, which is great. Brian is one of the smartest, gentlest, funniest, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kindest people I know. And he was raised Pentecostal in a conservative area of the Midwest. And one of the things that he said was he never learned how to unlove the people that he loved growing up. Mm-hmm. He never learned how to unlove conservative people. And so even when a lot of conservative people were saying things that were damaging to him as a gay man in the church, he loved them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he continues to love them. And he is uh, the only openly gay clergy person on the commission for a way forward, which is a group of people from lots of different perspectives around the world uh, who come together to talk about, Um, options that they can give this general conference in 2019 for how can the United Methodist Church move forward together. We don't know if they will propose schism or if they will propose staying together or if they will propose options. We don't know what the product of their work will be. And they don't even know yet. And they don't know what the product of their work will be because they've been so focused on process, Mm -hmm. not on trying to change each other's minds, but on trying to decide, can we live in the same house together? Yeah. 
So that's their work. And Brian says, you know, it's really hard work. He's developed a lot of really great relationships with people who don't think that he should be an ordained clergy person. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've worked really hard on building trust so that when they're in their meetings, they can speak openly to one mm-hmm. another. Um, and he even talked about, you know, some of the conservative folks, when they know they're going to say something that will hurt him, will talk to him beforehand and say, Brian, I have to say this. Mm-hmm. And I know that that will hurt you. And I'm sorry mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. that will hurt you. But but so he's not surprised in the room right. when somebody says something vicious, you know, which is, I'm sure, a heartfelt conviction for them. Yeah. So Brian says, you know, it's really hard to get up in Spanish. It's the ganas, right? To get up the desire mm-hmm. to walk back into that room where he's the only openly gay clergy person. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, it feels like they're talking about him instead of with him. Mm-hmm. He says, it's hard. And he has this theology of, I don't feel like it. It's not that I don't know better. It's not that I don't think that this could work. It's that I don't feel, Feel I just don't feel feel like like it. it. I don't feel like walking back into that room and listening to stuff that, you know, is painful for me. But he goes. And he says, there's this beautiful thing that happens in the midst of this. I don't feel like it. He says, when he feels like it. He gets all these great ideas. <laughs> like, I should say this and I should, I should say that. that. And isn't this clever? And and he says when he, when he doesn't feel like it and he walks into the room anyway, it sort of gives God more room to, to work. Yeah. yeah, that was a really powerful statement when he made it. It was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's I've true. I've been there. I've been there. Yeah, which, I mean, it gives me a lot of hope because sometimes, you know, we go to a lot of meetings as pastors, uh, people who run the church or lay people, and we just kind of, we guide them and we give them good mm-hmm. advice mm-hmm. and um, but we don't direct a lot of their action. Uh, and so I, I get that sometimes going to meetings where you don't have a vote, <laughs> it's draining. It, it's good for me to remember that, like, God is still working in the room. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be the defender of all things that I think are godly and good. Yeah. Um, I can trust that God is going to move. So those stories for me are really powerful because they remind me that, like, not everybody has this, like, you know big important road on road road to Emmaus kind of story. Yeah. For some of us it's I don't feel like it. And yeah. I show up and, and look it's what di- three look days what... of torture and then something will happen on the last day that will make me think God is still working here. Yeah. And so it's you know, it can be drudgery sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we get in trouble in the modern church and in modern society when we talk about self care too much. Yeah. Well, and, and, and where we, when we when we start elevating self-care, mm-hmm. right? The highest, the highest good is to take care of yourself. And that's not really what we want to say or what we're trying to say. Or usually. scriptural. Or scriptural. <laughs> yes, yes. But what we're trying to say is, is, is a, the, the, you know, invest, invest, invest a little over here so yeah. that you can do all of this over here right. on the care of caring for others. Side. Everything in the Bible is a so that. Yes, so that. Everything in the Bible is a so that. So you take care of yourself so that you can pour yourself out. Yeah. It's not like you take care of yourself so you feel good. You take care of yourself so there is something to pour out. Yeah, you take care of yourself so you're not pouring out garbage. Right. So hearing Brian's story particularly, that was really powerful for me. We heard a lot of stories. We heard stories about African University's work, which is amazing. You should look that up if you... um, if you have a computer, <laughs> um, African university stories. If you don't stories. have a computer and you're listening to us, we're wondering how. Yeah. Um, you should, uh, you should definitely check out African university. You should, uh, definitely check out the work, uh, that we do. I mean, through the United Methodist committee on relief. Yep. Uh, you should look out 
for the work that uh, GCORR, G-C-O-R-R, is doing, the General Commission on Religion and Race, to help elevate issues of racism, um, institutional racism in our world and within our institution Mm -hmm. so that we're aware of them so we can make better choices. All of the work that we do is so good. And it's, it's work because we're not perfect. Yeah. We're not good. God doesn't show up because the United Methodist Church has figured it out. God shows up despite the United Methodist Church being a flawed institution and works anyway. Yep. And even when we don't feel like dealing with the drama, dealing with yet another conversation that's going to go the same way, we are in relationship with one another and God can move in that relationship. And that is the point of church. Yep. So it's sort of like, just do it Mm -hmm. because it'll catch you now or it'll catch you later. Amen. Uh, Jim from African University told this great story and he says he lives across the street from Primitive Baptist Church, Mm. from the Primitive Baptist Church. And the Primitive Baptist Church is on 13, 13th Street South, and he lives on 13th Street North. <laughs> and every day he gets up and he goes out his door mm-hmm. and he walks over to the Primitive Baptist Church because there will inevitably some be some kind of dross, some paper or something mm-hmm, blowing mm-hmm. across the property of the Primitive Baptist Church. And he picks up the paper and he brings it back to his house and he throws it in his recycle bins and then he goes to work. Mm. And he says he doesn't do this because he's a good person. He doesn't do it because uh, because he feels some sort of like Christian loyalty to the Primitive Baptist Church. He does it because the wind pattern in his city is such that if he doesn't pick it up in the morning, it will blow across the street into his own front yard and he will have to pick it up okay. in the afternoon. And so his his sort of conclusion was, you know, that piece of paper is coming to my house. Whether it comes in the morning or whether it comes in the afternoon, it's coming to my house. And uh, and that those human fragilities that mm-hmm. bring us into relationship with broken people mm-hmm. who are trying to do good work and are, you know, sometimes failing at that, sometimes falling short at that. Like, the, the paper is coming to our house. We're in relationship with people. The question is, can we make room for God to move in the midst of that and trust that this whole idea of perseverance leading to character and leading to hope is true. Yeah. And I, I believe mm-hmm. that, that it is true. I believe that there is value and worth in persevering. Yeah. I believe it better some days than others. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, even though church is a place where a lot of people have experienced some damage and where a lot of people are still missing the point, mm-hmm. it's a good place for us to do the work together. Yeah. Sort of like Kimmy Schmidt, you know, we're all hypocrites. We're all working on it. But we'll get there. We'll work on it together and get there a little bit faster than if we're trying to do it on our own. Definitely. So so that was sort of the sermon that these are not issues. These are people. Yeah. And that we're not perfect. We're just loved. Yeah. And we're trying to love in the best ways we know how. And so, you know, if you get annoyed with somebody who's sitting in the pew next to you, get in line. (laughs) Yeah. They're still part of our church. They're still part of who we are. And... Um, and you know, we're going to keep getting better. Yeah. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sunday morning sleep in podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to the topics we've been thinking about and talking about, uh, shoot us an email at Sunday morning at gmail.com. You can find us at Sunday morning Facebook at Sunday morning sleep in and, uh, wherever you find great podcasts, because that's where we are. Scripture for this podcast was Romans 5, 1, 2, 8. And uh, the theme music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. 
It's traditional at the end of the worship service for the pastor to give a blessing to the congregation. And it's traditional at the end of our podcast for us to give a blessing to all you heathens out there. And so here is your blessing. Um, There are no magical words we can give you. Uh, We don't have all the right answers, but we're doing the best we can. We're not perfect, but we're working on it. And if that sounds like something you want to do, if it sounds like the best way that you know how to love people is by actually being around people who might not be perfect, (laughs) you are welcome. You are welcome. You are welcome to our churches. Amen. Um, We are proud of the work that we do. Yep. And we are proud of the work that we will continue to do um, because we know that this world needs a lot of help and we're happy to hold down our corner of it. Amen. Even if we don't have all the right answers. So whatever you think about how you continue to grow into perseverance and character and hope, the question this week is how will you choose to live into your own skin? How will you love? How will you listen? How will you serve? How will you seek justice? Maybe you slept in and now it's time to wake up and get moving.